Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Hi, and welcome to Connections. I'm Mike Tom with Colleen Hood. Today on the show, an incredible story of perseverance. It's a full circle story, sure, to encourage you. It's about a young man, now a doctor, who beat the odds to help others. Russell Lede was once a security guard at a hospital in Louisiana. Today, he's a doctor at that very same hospital. We'll hear the rest of his amazing story coming up today on part two of Connections. Some of Dr. Russell Lede's earliest childhood memories include diving through dumpsters with his sister to find food to eat for dinner. He would uh, go on to join the Navy to pull himself out of poverty. He became a security guard at a hospital while entering college. And today, he's studying to become an MD at that very hospital. Dr. Lede, what's it like to look back and see how far you've come? You know, I'm I'm living a life that I didn't dream I could. And it's not like the most lavish life. It's just really fun. You know, I'm I'm in this amazing relationship with this woman who I love to love. Um, like, I, I enjoy loving her. So it's just like, it's easy for me to wake up every morning and be like, I can't wait to talk to my wife, you know, or I can't wait to talk to my kids because they're incredibly in love with me. So it's just like, you know, or I can't wait to, you know, enjoy my career because I'm learning something new. I didn't think I'd be able to walk around the hospital with a white foot on and then treat patients in the state where I'm from who look like me. It's like a whole nother, my grandmother was really sick when I was growing up. And I remember us being in the hospital all the time. And I remember like some of the way like people would talk to my grandmother or like the way that she would be treated. And I was like, man, you know, I wish this would be better. You know, my mother was a CNA. She was a certified nurse's aide making like seven to $10 an hour. My mama has never made more than $25,000 a year in her entire lifetime, even up until August 19th, 2020. She still hasn't made that much money. Yeah. So I, I have a frame of reference that a lot of people don't, that like, this is like a God-given opportunity to change the trajectory of my entire lineage. <laughs> so it, like, how can you sleep when you got when you got so much excitement going on? You don't get tired because there's so much going on. You can't get tired. It's like a party every day. Even the worst days are a party. When, you know, so um when you decided you know, but nevertheless so I left Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just, when you decided to go and you went into college, did you know that you wanted to go down the path of becoming a doctor? No. So I went into college thinking I was gonna be a social worker. Because so we were on food stamps all my life growing up. And the only people I saw who were like genuinely trying to help out my community were social workers. They gave us the food stamps. They helped us out with Section 8. You know, they helped us get into school. They did so much stuff. And I was like, oh, bet I can go back to my community and I can help my community. And I think that's where a lot of like my social um, justice, you know, work is coming from. Because my grandmother, although she was on SSI, and she got a check from my grandfather when she died, she would feed everybody in the neighborhood. Anybody could come by her house and eat. And I never understood where the hell she got all this food from. But she could feed everybody, and she couldn't read or write. But she could feed and she could love everyone. And I kind of had that spirit that I was just going to help out my community, um, just like she did. And my mom was a very similar way, and my auntie was too. 
um, my mom's older sister. So, you know, I came into college thinking I'd be a social worker. And then I sat in on a chemistry class. And the professor was like, hey, what are you doing? Like, what, like, what are you majoring in? Because I was sitting there answering questions with our calculator. I had memorized the periodic table of elements. And she was like, what are you majoring in? And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a social worker. And she was like, no, you're not. She was like, there's nothing wrong with being a social worker. She was like, uh, social workers are amazing. She was like, but I think you could do something different. Um, so she put me in touch with this scientist, um, Dr. Wesley Gray, who was a, a biochemical, um, he was like a biochemist um, who worked on extractions um, from fruits and nuts to treat prostate and breast cancer. Um, and he was doing a lot of research and that was the first exposure I had to research. Um, and so he kind of started to like plant these little seeds. Of, like you have no clue your like your intellect. You, you don't know. Like you just don't like no one's ever told you. You don't know. My mom actually used to always tell me I was smart, but it's mama. Yeah. So mama telling you you're smart is kind of like mama, mama loves you. Yeah. So even if, you like a, you know, you a nail in in, in concrete. She gonna still say you smart, um, you know. Uh, so it, I'm not saying that what my mom was saying wasn't valid, but you know, it's mama. Yeah, so it doesn't you, sound the not, same. Not, not, you don't necessarily take it with a grain of salt, but you don't take it, you know, with like a mountain of boulders. So, um, you know, so I, I got the opportunity to switch my major. Uh, to chemistry and biology. And the, and the thinking was, how can I understand biology if the basis of biology is chemistry? And I was like, I got to understand how the molecules work. And that was true. Um, that understanding chemistry really helped with understanding biology. And while I was in undergrad, as I was, you know, going through, I got some really prestigious uh, opportunities to do research at some really cool places. I was at uh, Louisiana State University doing, um, chemical biology, where we were designing these, uh, these molecules for earlier detection of colorectal cancer, um, using like photo, uh, you know, photo uh, detection. That was really cool to learn how to use building blocks of chemicals to build drugs. And then I went off to Merck Pharmaceuticals in Boston, where we were looking at um, asthma drug development, um, you know, in human lungs that were being procured from uh, from people who had just passed away. Um, and so it was like amazing. Like I was walking into a Fortune 500 company. I always had the reference point that I was walking into a Fortune 500 company to do research. And just a couple years before that, I was digging in a dumpster for dinner. So wow. you, you kind of are grateful for every opportunity you have because you like, Boy, this is one hell of a come up. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you know, Colleen, um, Colleen yeah. mentioned earlier that a, you have a full circle story and you mentioned the excitement of uh, uh, being in your home state and stuff and helping people in the state you grew up in. The amazing thing is the hospital that you were a security guard at is the hospital you're working at now. What's that like working at as a doctor? Yeah, it's, that's a, that's a dream come true, man. It's a, it's the most humbling experience I've ever had out of all this stuff I've been able to do from getting a PhD in New York city to being deployed to everything, walking into that hospital with a white coat on is the most humbling experience I have ever had in my life. 
because there was a time when I was a security guard just trying to get a doctor to let me shadow them. And they would totally ignore me. They were like, well, you're a security guard. You're not going to be a doctor. <laughs> you are not going to be a doctor. You know, not to mention the quintessential, you know, mental image of what a doctor looks like doesn't look like me. So if you take all that into account, mm, I can understand how to some degree they might not think that I would become a doctor. And now I'm about to be a double doctor. I have my PhD already. I'm finishing up my MD. So it, it's it's humbling, man. You know, to walk into the OR, walk into the operating room, and someone asks you, like, what is your glove size? What size gown do you like to wear? It, 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 is, it is mind-boggling to, like, you know, suture up a patient as they're finishing a procedure or to watch a karate endarterectomy um, up close and personal and, you know, hold a blood vessel. It's just like, this is mind blowing. Um, to walk those halls and interact with physicians. Um, I went back and saw my old boss. He still works there. Um, when I was a security guard and, uh, he could have fired me a lot of times because there were a lot of times that I would be on my security post studying organic chemistry cards. And he walk up on me, he's like, come on, man, you're a security guard. You're supposed to be paying attention. You know, and I was supposed to be doing that, but I was also, I also needed to study. So this is just like, it's full circle, man. It is 100% full circle to like see some of the people that I was once um, working with, some of the, you know, nurses and stuff like that when I was a scrub tech. I mean, I'm sorry, when I was a security guard. And now I'm walking through there to treat patients. It is. It is incredibly humbling, um, but also very satisfying. Becoming an MD and with a PhD, do we call you Dr. Doctor or what? <laughs> nah, so they're called <laughs> physician scientists. Um, some some term somebody came up with because they couldn't think of Dr. Doctor. Um, you know, they call them physician scientists. You know, my kids say, we will never call you doctor. We just will call you dad. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably all right with you, eh? <laughs> Yeah, my my wife is like, I'm never calling you doctor because they got enough people to tell you that. <laughs> you just honey when you come home. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> so now you you made headlines uh, a few months ago. I guess it was a picture went viral. Can you tell us quickly about that mm-hmm. picture and why it was so important? Yeah, man. So that that photo came after. So last summer, um, my daughter and I, um, my oldest daughter. And I and my best friend um, went to visit the Whitney Plantation, which is in Edgar, Louisiana, about 45 minutes outside of New Orleans. And um, we went there and we took the trip. And, you know, we experienced the plantation. But after we left, um, we were about 15 minutes down the road. And my daughter interrupted a conversation between Philip and I. And uh, she was like, Dad. And I was like, what's up, Malia? Um, and she was like, now I understand why. Um, it's such a big deal to be a black doctor in America. And I was like, okay, we just left a plantation. Like, why are you saying it? And uh, she was like, well, just think about it. We just left a plantation. And there, just think about it. When when you were a a black slave, you couldn't be anything other than just a slave. Like, you couldn't be an engineer or a doctor or a business person or a lawyer or anything. 
And now I'm riding in the car with two of them. Wow. She's like, that's primary. She was like, and I'm like, this is out of the mouth of an eight year old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right. She gets it. Um, but then I looked over at Philip and I was like, man, I got an idea. I was like, I think I can get some classmates together and we can take some photos in front of that, the slave, the slave quarters. And, um, we can illustrate to the world just how far we've come. Um, in spite of systems that were put in place to make sure that this never happened. Yeah. Um, and so we, we came back and, um, I, I talked to some of my really close friends. We got the tour together and we went down there and we experienced the entire thing. And then afterwards we took those photos. Um, we intentionally were in all black with our white coats on. Um, and we posted those photos. Um, because I had told them already, like, these photos will be iconic. There will, you will never see anything like this for a really long time. Photos like this don't come around every day. Um, and it, it did exactly what I expected it to do. Um, and, you know, we, we realized, like, oh, we can use this opportunity to, to, to get some funds and then use those funds to help people apply to medical school or help to put imagery in classrooms that better facilitate students of, you know, to think that it's possible to be just like us. So um, we copyrighted the photos and a few of our, uh, our slogans and we made some t-shirts and, you know, we, we uh, monetize the photos and we take 100% of everything that we've, um, we've, we've um, gotten and we give it right back. None of us take any of this money home. 100% of the money goes towards scholarships or, um, or putting these photos in schools. So schools can literally go on our website and sign up for a poster and we'll send it to them along with a little curriculum about, you know, systemic racism and racial injustice and how we can have this conversation in the classroom to get past it. But also as a, as, a, as cultural imagery for students, you know, whether they're um, from a majority population or a minority population to understand that people who look like us can become physicians, should become physicians, and are very well capable of being physicians. Um, because if you see it, then you have a better understanding that it's possible. But if you never see it, then you kind of doubt whether or not it's possible. So that's what we're doing now. Um, we've raised um, a good bit of money and we've given out um, over uh, close to a thousand posters um, to classrooms around the country. And now we actually have some going to England um, and a few going to Switzerland. And so I think this thing won't go away anytime soon. We have intentions of opening a high school um, here in New Orleans um, to help students understand the path it takes to become a physician. And then we also have intentions of raising enough money to pay for uh, some, some students from marginalized communities, entire medical education. How can people learn more uh, about 15 White Coats and about yourself? Yeah, so you can learn more about the 15 White Coats at www.the15whitecoats.org. Uh, that's one five um, and white as in the color and coats with an S. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. What an incredible story. Again, you can listen to the full conversation. It repeats every evening on your local radio station. And 
You can get the podcast at podcastville.ca or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating. We'll talk to you again on Connections.